Good morning. Uh, it's an honor to be able to speak to you today. I appreciate uh, Pastor Ryan asking me to do this, and I'm, I'm excited to continue our series in the book of Daniel, uh, living fearlessly in a fearful culture. We find ourselves um, in such unique times, um, and I'm pretty amazed and just um, really encouraged by how well um, our Daniel series is just fitting right into what's going on in the world. Like, we're looking back at um, scriptures that were written 2,600 years ago, and they are so applicable for today. And so my prayer today is that you'd be encouraged by this and strengthened um, as we look at Daniel chapter 2. So feel free, if you want to get your Bibles out, um, you can uh, go to Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to, uh, we're going to dig in. We're, um, to, today we're going to be talking about kingdom dreams. Okay, that's the name of what's going on is kingdom dreams. And dreams right now are... are there's this crazy phenomenon going on with dreams. Um, I've been reading about it with the coronavirus. People are having weird dreams, strange dreams, lots of dreams. I don't know if you're experiencing that or not, but that's something that actually is going on right now. They're not sure if it's because of stress, uh, so much news media, uh, whatever it might be, but there's this impact of dreams. And so I, I find it so fascinating that we are actually talking about dreams this morning. When I refer to dreams, I'm actually referring to two different types of dreams. Um, we all know about you know night dreams, dreams you'd have at night while you're sleeping, which is what is being documented as the phenomenon right now. But there's also what I call heart dreams. Dreams of the heart, our desires, our passions, our longing, our vision, what we're really dreaming for, what we're really hoping for to come about in life. And what's so interesting in this passage in Daniel chapter 2 is that they're actually both talked about and addressed in this series. But mostly what I'm going to be talking about as far as application into our life are those heart dreams and what those heart dreams are like. I wonder what you've been dreaming about in the middle of this pandemic. Um, are you dreaming about being with family and friends, uh, going out to eat in restaurants, uh, going back to work, uh, getting back into church? Or maybe you've been dreaming about something much deeper, maybe something much larger. Maybe you've been dreaming about purpose in life and what it is uh, and who it is that God has called you to be and what it is that he's calling you to do. I really hope that this pandemic is causing us to have a more meaningful um, uh, process to which we really go through to really grab and understand what it is that our dream and our purpose is about what we really want in life. And I really believe it's more than just the American dream. And my prayer and hope is that in the middle of all of this, it's caused us to really want to have a God dream about our life, to have a kingdom, a kingdom of God dream about our life, and not just the American dream. Uh, so many are dreaming to get back to the American dream or to have the American dream, a good job, own a home, a car, a family, um, be able to eat out, be able to have entertainment. What's so crazy about the American dream is that even before this pandemic, the American dream wasn't even sustainable for most Americans, much less anywhere in the world. And, and I believe the Lord has something greater for you than the American dream. I believe there's a kingdom dream that he has for you, that he has for me, that will really make a difference, not only in our, our lives, but in the lives of those around us. You know, Ephesians chapter 2.10 talks about how he has created us for good works, and he's created good works for us to do. And that's part of the dream that God has for your life. And I'm, I pray that today, as we look at Daniel chapter two, and we look at this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had, that it will encourage you, and you'll be able to see some of the dream that God has for your life, and you'll be able to move into all that he has for you. So Daniel chapter two. Uh, so the king here is King Nebuchadnezzar. He is a tyrant. He's a brutal king. 
and uh, he's king of Babylon. And so Babylon has attacked Israel. They've taken over Jerusalem. They've taken prisoners of war back to Babylon. Uh, in fact, I have a map that's going to be on the screen. And you can see here uh, the Babylonian Empire. You can see uh, the Persian Empire, the Mede-Persian Empire above that. And that is modern-day um, Iraq. When you refer to Babylon, it's, it's modern-day Iraq. You've heard of Persia. That's Iran. But you can see how Nebuchadnezzar was taking over the world. Um, we see Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Iran, Iraq. I mean, th this was the known part of the world, and he, had, he was conquering all of it. That was his dream. Uh, his dream, his heart dream, was to rule the world, and he was experiencing that dream. But the interesting thing is that he began having this dream at night, uh, a, a night dream, and he'd have this dream over and over and over and over again, and it was driving him crazy. Uh, he needed to have the answer to it. He wanted to have the answer to it. And uh, and so as he is, um, what he does is he had this group of counselors called wise men. They were astronomers, astrologers, uh, fortune tellers, soothsayers. They worshiped false gods at that time. And these were like the priest of those false gods. And uh, he, he called out to them. He, he gathered them. And, and he said, I need you to do this. I need you to, and to tell me what my dream is. And then when you tell me what my dream is, I need you to interpret the dream, okay? And, and they are like, what are you talking about, King? We, we, nobody can do that. Nobody in the whole world can tell you what you dreamed and then, and then tell you what it meant. Like, we'd have to be hanging out with the gods to do that, and the gods don't hang out with people like us. And so um, th th this can never happen. He goes, well, it has to happen because if it doesn't happen this way and, and I tell you what my dream is and then you give me the interpretation of it, then then I won't know if it's true or not. You could just be making it up. But if you tell me the dream and then you tell me the interpretation of it, then I'll know it's absolutely true. And they said, we can't do that. No one can do that. And he said, well, if you don't do it, I'm going to cut you up piece by piece. I'm going to kill all your family. I'm going to knock over you. I'm going to burn your houses down. There will be nothing left of you or anybody in your family. He was trying to motivate them, but they couldn't do it. And, and, and they were fearful. They were afraid. And and, and, but they were never able to, 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 to tell him what the dream was, much less interpret it. And so he gave the executive order for them to all be executed. Okay, so that's what's going on. They're all going to be executed. This And they start flipping out. Like, they start freaking out. Well, when King Nebuchadnezzar had gone and had taken over Jerusalem, as Pastor Ryan talked about last week, they took captives. They took POWs. Um, and there were four of those um, that are the, what the really four guys that the book of Daniel is about, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he brought them uh, to Babylon and made them a part of this group of wise men that he had, representing the God that was in Israel, which we know is the one true God, but Nebuchadnezzar didn't know that at the time. And so the word goes out that they're all going to be executed. And it's just, it's, it's just amazing what happened because because Daniel, he goes to his boss and he says, hey, can I go see the king? Let me see the king. So he takes him to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he goes to the king and he said, we just give us a little more time. I want to inquire of our God and see if he'll give me the dream and what it means. And so Nebuchadnezzar goes, sure, go ahead and, and, and do that. And so he begins to do that and he calls him to prayer. And I think we see right here the very first principle that we can learn from Daniel in this chapter two. And that is that God is in control. Daniel knew that God is in control. That's point number one. You and I today, right here, right now, what we're going on, we can rest assured that God is in control. 
This series is, is about living fearlessly in a fearful culture. Our world right now is gripped in fear, um, but we don't have to be. We serve a God who is in control. All of this that's going on didn't catch God by surprise. He wasn't surprised by this. Um, and he is in control. He is sovereign. A sovereign, a way to remember what sovereign means is he's, is he's so very reigned. He is so sovereign. He is in control. He is overall. And Daniel knew this. And so they pray, they ask God, and, and, and God tells him what the, God shows him what the dream is and the interpretation of it. And here we have Daniel, uh, when he gets up the next morning, he thanks God, he praises God, and he praises him. This is Daniel chapter 2, verse 19. This is the praise that he offers to God. It says, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the, to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what was asked of. You. you have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel here is saying, we serve a God who is sovereign, who's over every nation. He raises up rulers. He disposes rulers. He is, his kingdom is greater than any human kingdom. He is in charge. He is in control. And, and he rested in the fact of that, that God was in control, that, that Nebuchadnezzar didn't hold his future in his hands. The ungodly culture that he found himself in didn't hold Daniel's future in his hands. God held his future in his hands. And so he went to the, he went to the place where the answer was, which is God, and he sought him. He sought him. The interesting thing here is that this was not the life that Daniel had imagined. Yet he knew that it was God that was in control and not King Nebuchadnezzar. I think we find ourselves a lot like Daniel right now. We find ourselves in a place that we did not pick. In our culture, like none of us, right? None of us would, none of us would want to or do want to be here right where we are right now in what's going on. Like this is not our, um, this was not of our choosing. Daniel and his friends were in a place that was not of their choosing. They did not want to be in Babylon. And we may be talking in the book of Daniel about a physical place of not wanting to be there. But as this metaphor is that we find ourselves in this place in life of like, this isn't our preferred what's going on right now. Like we would not want that. But yet I believe, I totally believe God is in control. He wants to do something great in the midst of this. And so what we do is we look at, well, how can I respond? How does God want us to respond in being where maybe we don't really want to be right now, right? We would all rather be in, in this building together right now than we would be separated. I mean, we want to be together. We, our job situations, um, all different kinds of things are going on. And this may not be what we wanted, but God is meeting us right in the midst of this. It was in the chaos of the hand that Daniel was dealt, not in the life he imagined living, that he found his unique role in God's story. Let me say that again. It was in the chaos of the hand that Daniel was dealt, not the life he had imagined living, that he found his unique role in God's story. This wasn't how he saw his life playing out, but in the hand that he was dealt, 
He responded in such a way that God was able to use him in a very unique way. I believe God wants to use you in a very unique way in this season. And it's, ba it's based upon how we respond to what he wants to do in us. I believe this is true of us as well. You and I have a unique opportunity right now in the story God is writing with our lives. It's probably not the story you dreamed of as you find yourself here right now, but if we will surrender to the God that is in control, if we will trust him, we will see him do great and mighty things. So here they are, they're under execution orders from a tyrant of a king, but you see, they didn't panic. They discerned that God's purposes were being worked out. They didn't look for a way of escape. They didn't try to sneak out the back door. They didn't look for relief. They didn't, they didn't try to escape. Instead, Daniel asked to be brought to the very king who was ordering his death. And he is his friends. He asked his friends to join him in prayer. And I believe this is the second really lesson that we can learn from Daniel's life in Daniel chapter two, is that Daniel prayed as if his life depended on it, because it did. There was, a, there was an execution order going out. But I believe we can apply this to our life and we should pray. We should be people of prayer. And we should pray as if our life depends on it. You see, they went and they prayed to God and God gave him the, the interpretation. Notice to whom they appealed for mercy. It wasn't the king that they appealed to mercy to. It was the true king. It was the king of kings. It wasn't the king of Babylon that had ordered the execution that they appealed to, but they appealed to the king of heaven. And he is our court of appeals. He is our supreme court of appeals. And we can go to him and, and seek him. You know, there's a pattern of prayer in the book of Daniel. Four different times, we'll see Daniel praying. Here's the first one of them, and we'll cover the others in the, in, the, in the weeks to come. But we always find Daniel praying. In Daniel chapter six, we'll see Daniel praying three times a day. Daniel was a man of prayer. And so often we pray, right, to change things around us, to change our situation, but actually the power in prayer is not just that it changes the situations, but that God changes us in the process. Let's be people of prayer. We have an opportunity right now to draw close to God in this season. And he's made us a promise that if we will draw close to him, he will draw close to us. Friends, that's true life. That's life to the fullest. This is, and it's formed out of this relationship with God. And so Daniel goes back to his boss, who'd been put in charge of the execution, and he says, call off the execution. Call it off. Take me to the king, and, and I'll interpret his dream. And so his boss didn't wait a minute. He ran to the king, and he brings Daniel with him, and he says, I found a man from the exiles of Judah who can interpret the king's dream. And the king asked Daniel, he said, are you, are you sure you can do this? I mean, tell me the dream. I, I had it interpreted for me. And Daniel answered the king, and, and he said, you know, no mere human could solve the king's mystery. I don't care who it is, no wise man, no enchanter, magician, diviner, but there is a God in heaven. And we're gonna come back to that phrase in a little bit because this is probably my very favorite verse in this whole chapter. But there is a God in heaven. And this God in heaven solves mysteries, and he has solved this one. And I believe this brings us to the third lesson, the third principle that we can learn from Daniel in Daniel chapter two is that we can make a difference right now. 
you and I can make a difference right now because God is in control, because we're a people of prayer, we can make a difference right now. You see, God used Daniel in this place that he never wanted to believe, and I believe God can use you and I to make a difference right now in your home, in your neighborhood, in our church, in your job situation, the relationships you have, even relationships online, different friends you have, different ways you're communicating. God can use you to make a difference right now. None of us want to be in this place, but God can use us right here, right now to make a difference. I read an article a few days ago, and it was about just surviving the pandemic. Like the goal is just to survive, to get on the other side. And, you know, I understand that that perspective but I believe God wants us to thrive. I don't believe God just wants us to survive. I truly believe he wants us to thrive in this season, that he has allowed us to be here for such a time as this, and he's gonna use this, and he wants to use you. So, so yes, take precautions. Like, yes, be careful. I'm not saying be crazy. I'm just saying God wants to use you and be aware of how God might want to use you. Because we, we find a very fascinating scenario here because Uh, There are several other books of the Bible written in this time of exile where they were taken out of Jerusalem into Babylon. And and as they were taken out, um, the book of Esther, um, of Jeremiah, um, Ezra, others were written in this time frame. And and it's, it's interesting because there was a false prophet, and this, this story's told about in Jeremiah 28. There was this false prophet named Hananiah. And Hananiah told the people in Babylon, he sent them a prophecy, and we found out, we, we know it's false, but he told them, tell, he told God's people to just, that God was gonna break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, that in two years, all the people would be returned and the temple articles would be back in Jerusalem everything would be normal. He's saying, hey, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be normal. Just wait this out. Don't worry about it. Just, just, just take it easy. Just, put, just go into autopilot until everything's back to normal. And, and we know that that actually was a false prophecy. Um, and, and, and so we find in Jeremiah 29, um, Jeremiah responds to this prophet's false prophecy and he sends this letter to the captives in Babylon. And just a couple of the verses say this in Jeremiah 29, five through seven. He says, you're gonna remain in captivity and I'm not, so let me just beep, 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 back up just a little bit here. <laughs> I'm not saying things may not come back to any sense of normal. Don't, don't um, allow what I'm saying. Don't let there be an over application to what's going on in the world around us. What I am trying to apply because who knows how this is going to play out. What I am trying to apply is that God wants to use you right now to make a difference. Don't go into autopilot. Don't um, just put life on pause, even if you are stuck at home. Fully engage with all that God wants to do because he controls the future and only he knows what the future is. So, okay, here, back, back to Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7. So this is what Jeremiah said. He said, build houses. Make yourselves at home. Put in gardens and eat what grows in the country. Marry and have children. Encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylonia, for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. See, God wants to use you to extend his peace, his shalom, his wholeness, how things ought to be right here, right now, where you are. That God wants to extend his kingdom through you where we find ourselves right now. Let's don't put our life on hold. Let's don't put 
our church on pause. Let's don't just say, well, we'll just wait this out. No, today, right now, right here, who does God want you to influence? Your kids may be around you. You may be able to pick up the phone and make a phone call. You may be able to send a message or a text. Um, maybe even people you're interacting with at work. How does God want to use you to make a difference right here, right now in, in somebody's life? People are open right now. They need help. They need encouragement. They need hope. And you can be a part of that answer that God can use use you to make a difference in other people's life right now, that he's placed you here for such a time as this. And this takes us to the the fourth point this morning, that God's up to something. Daniel knew that God was up to something, and I believe that God is up to something. His situation appeared hopeless. I don't know what you're going through now. There may be some situations that appear hopeless, but I just want to remind you of verse 28 that says, but there is a God in heaven. Friends, there's a God in heaven who's in control, who's working all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, that he is working in our behalf as we pray, as we seek him, as we surrender to his will. He is up to something good and he wants to do something good. I think it's interesting that you cannot have the book of Daniel and Daniel's influences without the supernatural work of God in Daniel's life. It's the supernatural interpretation of a dream that opened the door for Daniel to give God glory and to declare the truth of who God is to those in Babylon. Daniel and his friends pursued God for supernatural manifestation in their life. And I believe the Lord wants to do that in our He wants us to be naturally supernatural people, that this is a supernatural kingdom. And, and, and God wants to use us in supernatural ways that we would pray for people and they would be healed, that God would give us insight and, 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 and words for people, that, that God would use us in great and mighty ways, if through the phone, through a text, however it might be, through a camera. God can do all, if God can use a donkey, he can use a camera, right? And so we just want to be on just so close to the Lord and just right in tune with what he wants to do right now in our lives. And so this brings us back to the dream and and to the interpretation. So there's a God in heaven who solves mysteries and he solved this one. And and so Daniel began to tell him what his dream was. And he, he told him why you were stretched out on your bed and you had these thoughts, kings, you had this dream, and it was the revealer of mysteries who showed this to you. And he goes, I can give you this interpretation not because of me, not because I'm smarter than anybody else. Not, there's nothing special about me, but the Lord wants you to know this, and the Lord has revealed this to me. And so he begins to tell him what he saw. In fact, there's a uh, uh, there's a, an image, a, a picture that's going to be that's going to be coming on the screen, and it begins to talk of this is what a King Nebuchadnezzar saw. He saw this statue that was huge and was striking in appearance, and the head of the statue was pure gold, and the chest and arms were silver, and the belly and hips were bronze, and the legs were iron, and the feet were of of, of this, this clay and iron mixture. And then there was a stone cut out of a mountain by an invisible hand. And this hand hit this, this, this invisible hand and this rock hit this statue and smashed it at its, at its iron and clay feet. And it began to crumble. And then the whole thing crumbled, just imploded. And it turned into dust and was gone in every direction. But that stone that was not made with human hands became huge and it filled the entire earth. And he said, that was your dream. And the king was like, yeah, that, that's it. And he said, now I'll interpret for you. And he said, oh, king, and you can see this on this slide that, that you, are, you are that head. You are this, this, this 
Babylonian king. And so he begins to talk about how, and we now know in history who those other kingdoms are. The, the head was Nebuchadnezzar and was a Babylon at that time. And then we know that the silver uh, represented the Mede-Persian empire. And then we know that the, um, the bronze uh, represented uh, the Greek empire, represented Alexander the Great. And then the iron the iron legs represented the Roman Empire, and then the mixed of the, of the clay and the iron represent modern kingdoms. And, and this is an interesting fact that this prophecy was so accurate, and the other prophecies in the book of Daniel are so accurate that there are some scholars that don't really hold fact fast to the word of God being truly the word of God, that they say, this is impossible. It's too accurate to history. I believe that's one of the reasons we can know that the Bible is true is because all these things did happen in history. And so he just lays out this picture of these different kingdoms that will eventually all crumble. But you see what the important part of this, of this vision is. The important part of the vision is not... <clears throat> is not the statue. You'd think that would be the important part. That's really not the most important part. The important part here is the rock. See, the rock represents Jesus Christ. It's cut out, it's hewn, not with human hands because it's a supernatural kingdom. And, and we see here how it just supersedes the other ones that God is in control. And so as we talk about kingdom dreams, we're talking here about a kingdom that surpasses every human kingdom, a kingdom that has no end. And, and I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done. And so it makes me want to ask, what about your dreams? What are you dreaming of? What kingdom are you dreaming of? What kingdom are you building? Because any kingdom other than the kingdom of God will fall, will crumble, will have an end, whether it's a a, a national kingdom or whether it's my personal kingdom of my agenda. Our lives are only secure. They're only solid when they're built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ of this kingdom of God. All other foundations are faulty. You know, Peter talked about this rock in Daniel and this rock in Daniel is Jesus himself. First Peter chapter two, four through seven says, as you come to him, the living stone, this is speaking of Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, here he's quoting Isaiah, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Or another way to say that, you, you don't have to panic when your trust is in the rock, Jesus Christ, who's in control, who's doing something amazing, who's doing something great, whose kingdom is from everlasting to everlasting. Verse seven, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and that stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes him fall. You see, we can either fall upon the rock of Jesus and brokenness and, and, and humility and repentance and receive his salvation or that rock crushes us. The kingdom overcomes. And so it's our choice. It's our choice. And the answer is to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. I receive you. I submit my life to you. I, I cast myself upon you. Because this rock is not cut out with hands. It's completely supernatural. It's interesting that the rock here 
would be considered the least valuable substance in the dream, right? You have gold, silver, bronze, iron. You have all these other materials. The rock would seem to be the less valuable, but it's the most valuable. And that's a good picture of the kingdom of God. It doesn't appear to this world to be fancy, to be significant, to be anything, but yet it's the most important thing that exists. And then notice the rock starts small, but it grows large and it takes over everything. When Jesus finally returns again, we will see the full establishment of his kingdom and it will overthrow every other kingdom and his kingdom will be without end and he'll reign forever and ever and ever. And I wanna be one, I think you wanna be one who builds our life on the kingdom of God. When Nebuchadnezzar heard the interpretation of this dream, he fell on his face in awe of Daniel and he offered him all kinds of sacrifices and burnt incense and and he said to Daniel, your God is beyond question, the God of all gods, the master of all kings and he solves all mysteries. I know this because you've solved the mystery and then he promoted Daniel to a high position in the kingdom. He, he lavished him with gifts and he, he made him governor over the entire province of Babylon and and the chief in charge of all the other Babylonian wise men. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to the administrative post throughout Babylon, while Daniel governed there from the royal headquarters. And so that sets up these next chapters. So I want to encourage you to read chapter 3 this week, and you'll begin to see how, how this plays out, how Daniel didn't use all of this for himself, right? As the Lord used him, he used it to advance God's kingdom. And so the Lord wants to do that in our hearts and our lives and well. And so as we, as we wrap up this morning, I just want to ask you about kingdom dreams. I pray that God will birth or renew a kingdom dream in your heart. Whose dream are you dreaming? God has a dream for your life he, that extends his kingdom in you and through you to wherever or in whatever situation you find yourself. Remember, friends, God is in control. Pray as if your life depends on it. Make a difference right now. And remember, God is up to something good.